Hey, this is the Beegs. What's up? This is Victor. And this is Talk of Fame, a rock and roll podcast. Is everybody in? Cool. The ride's about to begin. Are you ready, rock and rollers? Enjoy the ride with your Talk of Fame hosts, Victor and the Beegs. Ooh, yeah. All right, this is the Talk of Fame podcast. We have a couple of really awesome guests today. I know one of the guys that we're going to be talking to is is good friends with Beeks. Uh, why don't you tell us who we're going to be talking with today? Yes, uh, we're going to be talking to Kyle Cunningham, and we're going to talk to Jacob, who's also who's in the band called Neon Coven. They're from Los Angeles. And uh, Kyle, he was in a band that I played with for, for a little while, a uh, great drummer. And uh, he's from San, originally from San Antonio. And uh, he ended up uh, moving to Los Angeles. Right on. And that band that he played with you was Lila, right? He, that is correct. Norman, yes. Norman, what's Norman's last name? Matthew. Norman, Matthew. Norman, man, Norman, I got to give props to Norman. He's, he's you know... If you guys don't know who Norman is, Norman has been around a long time. He's produced a lot of albums. He's done a lot of work. Of course, he fronted Lila. He was a singer and guitarist probably, you know, for um, many, many years. He's been he's been in the music music world, and maybe we'll get him on the podcast sometime soon. But Beegs was their bass player. And, I, you know, I got to tell you, man, when I saw you guys, I saw you guys a few times, but... There was this one time that I saw you guys at this bar. I forget the name of the place. Man, you guys freaking came on and it 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 just rocked. I could tell you what bar it was. What was it? I think it was Surges. It was a, it was the one on Montana. It was on- that was a fir- it was on Montana. Uh, that that was a place called Surges. Yeah, dude. That man. That was a really, really good show. You guys really, really rocked it. It sounded solid. The drum, I, I don't, um, I forget who the drummer was at the time. That was uh, uh, Butch. Butch man. Espinoza. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, that was solid, man. That was a really, really good show. Everybody in the band kicked ass. I remember looking at the drummer and being like, man, this guy knows what he's doing. Because let me tell you why. As a drummer, for me, everybody's different, right? And I give props yeah. to all the drummers out there. But I like a solid drummer that keeps a solid backbeat and fills and knows when the fills need to come in. But that's just my personal opinion. Uh, and he he does that really, really well. So you guys sounded really, really good. I'm surprised you didn't say, can I have my money back? <laughs> I think we charged $5 that day. I'm not sure. Is that what it was? Yeah. It was like, you know, I was going to be like, no, nah, he's going to want his money back. No, thank you. Thank you for, for, for those props, man. And we worked really hard. What, what we, you know, I mean, you have to, 
you know, if you're, if you're, you're, you know, want to produce something really awesome, you know, you really have to work hard at it. And when I think we did. Oh, absolutely. You guys totally nailed it. And, and uh, you guys still, you still do with the bands you're playing with now with Sludhammer and which we're, we're going to talk about, you know, we're going to dedicate a total entire episode to Sludhammer because there's a lot of magic there that we haven't seen in a band in a long time. And, and I think that the really cool thing about your band, your current band, uh, your original band, Sludhammer, is that everybody brings a dynamic to the music um, and everybody brings their own style to the music, which is really, really awesome. And then when, and then when it's combined, it's like you get this like wall of rock and roll hitting you in your face. I've told you this before. When you guys come on stage and the, and the lights go out and that first song kicks in, I can tell you, man, and you and I have talked about this, you know, there's a lot of really good bands out there, but there are some bands that just deliver. And when you guys start your show, you guys deliver a wall of sound, a wall of rock and roll that not a lot of bands out there do. And that's not to say they're not any good, but it's just some bands stand out. And I think it has a lot to do with, the chemistry of the band first and foremost you're absolutely right and and i'll pay you later but I, <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> thank you for the props no i i really appreciate it coming from you really and um the thing of it is is it's very organic you know we, we it's nothing's contrived you know you know it's just four guys getting together in a room and just writing stuff that we like you know there's there's no formula it's just whatever comes from our gut, <laughs> you know. What I mean? So that's that's so important, man. Because because it, it is around trying to write a hit. There's a formula for that, but you never know. You never know if it's going to work. When it's organic, uh, in my opinion, oh man, it just makes a difference. But you know what? I got to tell you, Jacob's ready to come on. I'm gonna bring nice. him up, and we're gonna welcome Jacob and. There we go. There we go, man. What's up? <laughs> How's it going? Cool. It's going good, man. Can't complain. Just uh, it's a nice day in LA, so all is good. Right nice, on. awesome. Yeah, where are you? Guys? I... Where are you guys? Uh, we're right. from El Paso, Texas. I love Texas, man. Right on. Yeah. Uh, we got Kyle yeah, coming up. There you go. You see, I got the cassette here. Oh, sweet. That's awesome, man. We love it. Let me tell you, we're going to talk about that cassette. We're going to. I was listening. We're going to get to the music in just a second. Let me bring Kyle in. And I've just already clicked him in. There he is. Thank What's up? What's, What's up? up, Kyle? I can see your picture. <laughs> okay, good, good. Cool, man. So what's up, Kyle? My name's Vic. How you doing, man? I'm doing you know me. Work. You know me. I know you know Beaks. <laughs> How's it going, dude? I'm all right. How's it going? Wait, how do I? Oh, wait, there it is. Okay. Ah, okay. oh, there you are. I'm oh, like, yeah. all right, yeah, cool. Right there, bro. Dude, it's been a long time. Like forever. I know, right? <laughs> and I was talking to Vic, and we were just talking about how you, you played in a band with me. Uh, it was called Lila. Yeah. And, and we did one show, right? Or did we do two? I don't remember. I can't remember. Well, definitely one, but we, maybe we did two. And you were living in San Antonio at the time, right? I was, yeah, yeah. I did San Antonio, but I moved out to LA 11 years ago. Okay. 
Are you are you yes. originally from from El, uh, San Antonio? Well, I was born in Austin, but I kind of moved around a lot. So I went from Austin to New Mexico to Mississippi, then to Memphis, then back to Austin, that's, then San Antonio, then L.A. Man, you've seen the world. You've seen a lot. You're the yeah. rock and roll gypsy, man. Yeah, I'm just a gypsy, so uh, I just kind of <laughs> go where I I feel like I need to be. <laughs> and you just yeah, exactly. You just landed in California. Yeah, I mean, I had friends here already that were already saying they were they were just telling me for like four years, like just move out of here, come on, they need drummers, and I'm like, I don't know, man, it's expensive out there, and it's like you know, San Antonio is it's, it's cheap to live there, you know, and I was just like, I have a nice house and and you know a yard and all that kind of stuff. It's like I don't want to live out there. <laughs> the important and, <laughs> Yeah, and so, uh, but I finally just got bored with the scene in San Antonio and um, my, there's a few of my good friends like Bones that was playing in Julian I K. I remember Bones, Bones. Yeah, he was playing Julian K. Um, and then Patrick and John, uh, Patrick Kennison, who's, he plays in Lita Ford now, but he was, um, you know, yeah, but he was out there playing with DJ Ashba. So it was Bones. They were, they were out there were playing with DJ Ashba after he left Beautiful Creatures and that's when the phone calls started. They were just all like, just get out here. Come on, you're going to love it. And so I would I would go out there, fly out there for like NAM conventions and stuff like that. But that was about it. You know, I, I was like, yeah, okay, cool. And then finally I, I got sick of it. I'm like, I just want to, I just want to tour. You know, I want to be on a bus and, and, and just go. And, you know, San Antonio, I was just doing the, the cover band scene, but which was super busy and it paid well, but I would just, we do the whole state of Texas and I was lucky that I was in one of the, the more popular bands. So it was a good living, but I was just, I got bored with it. It was kind of like big fish in a little pond. And I was like, eh, this is it's just day in, day out. And I wanted more and I wanted to do more original stuff. And so that was, uh, that was it for me. So I came out here and I was only in town for two months and then I got the mad life gig and I was gone for the rest of the summer. I on remember a tour that. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, yeah. Jacob, so, uh, and Jacob, uh, are you originally from Los Angeles? No, no, no. I'm originally from Birmingham, Alabama. Oh, nice. Wow. Yeah. You hear that accent? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, this accent, yeah, man, yeah. born and raised in L.A. <laughs> How long have you been in L.A.? I've been in L.A. for a while. Um, I've lived here, like, uh, I go back and forth between here and Alabama and stuff, but um, been working here for a while, Yeah, like, back and forth, you know, so. Yeah, and you know, uh, we we were we were talking about you earlier because we see that you have a lot of credits, a lot of production credits. I think it's is it production or composition? What what is it? Can you tell us a little bit about that? All kind of stuff. I'm primarily a songwriter in the in the pop world and some in the rock world and all of that. But yeah, just um, producing, writing, um, playing instruments, just whatever, composing. Yeah. yeah. Right on. Right on. You're and a great guitar that. player. I love your guitar playing. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I grew up loving um, like Steve Vai. Like my favorite guitar players are Steve Vai is my favorite of all time. I remember the first time I ever saw him play, whether it be the Yankee Rose video or, or Crossroads movie or whatever. I was just like hooked instantly. Um, and people always laugh. It's like, so who are your favorite guitar players? And I'm like, well, I love Steve Vai. I love John Petrucci from Dream Theater and CeCe DeVille. 
and people think I'm kidding. They're like, CC DeVille, he doesn't really fit into to that or whatever. And I'm like, but when I was a kid, uh, his solos were everything. If you ever go to a Poison show, the, the whole crowd singing every word because they had so many hits. And then when the guitar solo kicks in, the crowd is humming the guitar solo because they're so memorable. So it's like, I love that. The simplicity and just You're absolutely how right. memorable it is. Same thing with Mick Mars. Same you know? thing. Yeah, Mick Mars is... is freaking amazing like seriously amazing and uh i'm i'm not sure if i read this or i don't know if this uh, uh were you tapped into to do any vocals with uh mick mars on his uh solo album yeah yeah i'm his vocalist so um yeah we we, we recorded a record and with uh with michael wagner and um it's nice. it, it's awesome and from what i hear it's going to come out uh, next year oh that's yeah. awesome can't wait to yeah. hear that I want yeah, to rewind he, a little he's bit. insane for sure. Definitely, man. I want to rewind a little bit and just kind of echo what you said about poison. You know, I remember we saw poison back in the eighties at some point with Billy Roth, Billy Roth and Steve Weiss. So talk about bringing those two guys together. Right. And man, poison was, was starting to hit talk dirty to me had come out. Uh, look what the cat dragged in and all that. And, and, um, so, you know, we, we knew who they were, but their show, man, their show yeah. was amazing. And I was standing there like, whoa, initially I was there to see Steve I. And I, and I, and I enjoyed the, the David Lee Roth show, but um, Poison put on a great show. And then, of course, you know, David that, that was a great tour. When they did that tour with David Lee Roth, it was the David Lee Roth skyscraper tour and yes. uh, open up, op, open up and say, ah, had just come out. And it was, it was such an amazing show. And, um, I just remember how epic concerts were when I was a kid. It's like you would see the videos on MTV, you would have the posters on your wall. And then when you would go to the concerts, like, you were just in shock that these people that were hanging on your wall or TV or whatever, they're right here. They're right here in front of me. Like, you know, you couldn't even believe they were in your hometown because back then everybody was larger than life, you know, like, like the bands, you know, and, uh, yeah, it was surreal. Yeah, it, it, it really was. And that was a great, I saw Steve I on that tour. I saw Steve I when he joined white snake, um, you know, the slip of the tongue tour and just such a great player. But, Poison has always been one of my favorite bands since I was a kid. It's like I love Motley, I love Poison, I love Def Leppard, I loved all those bands, and um, also equally loved all the new wave bands like Duran Duran and Depeche Mode. Those are some of my favorite bands in the world. Yes, so it's like it just—it's always my musical tastes have always been all over the place, and um, yeah, yeah, for sure, man. You know, it's interesting you say that because. That's a that's a very wide spectrum. I remember back in in the day, the high school days. You know, I was really into like heavier stuff, Slayer, uh, Possessed, Exodus back then. But secretly, I loved Bon Jovi. Secretly, Depeche Mode. Depeche Mode. Yeah. I was getting into all that, right? <laughs> I and so after a while, I was like, you know what? Whatever, man. I just I like I'll, you know you you come out right cuz you don't want your metal yeah. friends to be like what the hell dude right yeah but and, and and with that by the by the same token like what you just said my 7th grade yearbook picture i'm wearing an overkill under the influence shirt it's like so overkill and testament and death angel and like all of those bands megadeth metallica like like i i worshiped those bands too it's like um for me all of those bands could exist 
you know, together, you know, it's like, and so many people, they were like, Oh no, no, you have to, you know, my thrash metal friends, it was just thrash metal. You weren't allowed to like Motley Crue or Guns N' Roses. Then the Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses people or whatever. Some of those were like, Oh, well, you're not allowed to like this or whatever. And it's like, I liked everything, man. Me and my friends, we, we really liked everything. And it's like, people could say whatever they wanted, but it's like good music was just good music. It, it absolutely is, man. And Kyle, what about you? I mean, were you into like Depeche Mode, Duran Duran, or that kind of music back yeah, then? Yeah, I, I came from the, the pop phase ever since I was a kid. I was more pop than I was metal. And I didn't get into metal until uh, Pantera came around. And then when I heard them, that was when I started actually listening to stuff. But I like them still above most metal bands just because I'm all about groove. Like, I, I completely respect all the bands that can just play you know 300 miles an hour because i can't do that kind of stuff and it's it's impressive to watch but if i can't bounce my head to it then i kind of lose interest um so uh but yeah i was always the pop guy and then most of the bands i played with growing up was usually female driven singers so i i usually backed up female fronted bands and then i would i started slowly going into more rock and then that went into an industrial kind of thing and then that's where I started getting into electronics and when I moved out to LA that's what I was getting hired for most people would hire me because I'm familiar with the ins and outs of you know triggering and all these electronic samples and all this kind of stuff and because that's that's what I'm into and I kind of I kind of stole that from like Tommy Lee and stuff like that back in the day I got to meet him a few times and you know, he, he mics, but he'd trigger and sample all these sounds to make his drums just sound crushing. You know, it almost hurt your stomach when you'd go to a Motley Crue show and you're like, oh, my God, it, it you feel it, feel it. And I got to talk to him a couple of times. He's like, well, I do this. And he's he's a very smart guy, you know, as far as how he gets his sounds and all that kind of stuff. And he, he told me how he does it. And I was like, oh, I'm going to start doing that. And so I would do that. And so if we're on a tour and – more times than not, we were the opening band for a headliner. My drums would sound just as good, if not better, than the headliner. So, you know, I'm that's the kind of thing I'd roll into. So, yeah, I, I started with the more pop stuff and then got into metal, but just for kind of fun. But, uh, you know, my, my kind of thing was like more like Nine Inch Nails and, and that kind of stuff. I think as musicians, we all go through phases too, you know, like of things like, like we like everything. We like so many different styles of music, just if it's great music, we like it. But as far as like what we're playing, what we're doing in a band scenario, we kind of go through phases. Cause I remember as a teenager, um, I was, my band was called forced existence and we just wanted to be deicide, you know, like we loved deicide and sepultura and death and stuff like that. And it was about how fast and how technical we could be. And it's like, um, like listening to Deicide kind of kind of changed the scape of, of death metal for us because we couldn't believe that somebody was playing that fast and that proficient and that technical and stuff, you know, doing doing that. So I think we all go through phases. And you know, I don't know if you guys were like this or not, but do you like most of my my shredder friends and guitar players? Uh, they they were all like class. They were into classical music, like heavy into that. They never really talk about all that much, but at least my friends, they kind of grew up going, Oh, you got to listen to this in more operatic kind of stuff, but they would take what they hear from violinists and stuff like that and apply it to guitar. And so, um, 
and they were all metalheads, but they would apply the classical stuff to what they were doing. So I don't know if that was any of you guys' situations at all, but yeah, a lot of yeah, people I that did, I know I did the same thing. They loved that stuff. Yeah. yeah, for sure, man. We we actually, I mean, I remember we went through the like you said, Jacob, I mean, it's it's a lot of phases, but it's not a transitory thing. Maybe a couple of things are, but if you're into music, you're into music, period. No yeah. matter the style. And in fact, the way Beegs and I met, we were freshmen in high school. And again, I was into like the real heavier stuff. And I remember he walked by and he had a Motley shirt. And it was a poison shirt. Poison it was a poison. Shirt. Open yeah, up and say, ah, uh, secretly, secretly yeah. I like poison, but he was walking by and I just saw, and I'm like, I said, poser. Right. He <laughs> <laughs> just turned around and like, who the hell is this guy? But then the next time I saw him, he had a Metallica shirt. And then I don't know, somebody said he played guitar and he had an amp and I had like a, this really raggedy drum kit. And I'm like, well, maybe we could hook up and play some music, man. And we started playing together, but it's interesting, you know, all these spectrums. We had another buddy of ours, this guy, Ruben talked about classical guitar, man. That was his thing. Then we all kind of started getting into that a little bit. And then, you know, following all the technical thrash metal bands, which again are amazing. And I got to tell you one of your all songs, and we'll talk about it. Um, there was a guitar, some guitar work in there that I was like, man, that's amazing. And it's we'll, all Jacob, right? And, and we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. But the, the name of your band, why don't you guys tell us the name of the band? Um, Neon Coven's the name of the band. And um, we all got together. It, it started with me, Anthony, and Ace basically all coming together on a, on a cruise ship on Monsters of Rock. And the founder of Monsters of Rock, his, uh, his assistant, um, kind of brought us all together and said, you guys are going to form my boy band. And it's like, so we were joking around about we're going to be a goth boy band. And me and Ace had already known each other, but uh, I'd, I'd never met Anthony and we swapped numbers and then didn't think anything of it. And then when we got off the ship, um, Anthony called and was like, all right, so when are we going to do this goth boy band? When are we going to start writing? And, uh, and I actually had some time I was in between projects and I was like, all right, man, come on over. And, um, Kyle had played in a band with Anthony. Um, and he's like, dude, I, I know the, the most awesome drummer ever. And I was like, cool. And we all met and, and hit it off. And what started out as, as a, as a joke turned into a beautiful friendship and, um, a beautiful collaboration making music. And it's, uh, it's awesome. And, Kyle's, uh, Kyle's kind of the boss now. Like, um, it's, <laughs> it's his band. So we just basically do whatever he says. The slave Is that true? <laughs> You're the slave driver. <laughs> yes. I, I will now well, he's the drummer, man. Drummers are in charge. I, I get you, brother. I get you. That's right. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Everybody needs to recognize. No, as soon as the pandemic hit, I was just like, I, right before there, I had just moved into a new place. Me and my girl got a, uh, a new place and we've got a, I was able to put in my home studio because I never had one. I had a, I had a lockout room with my old band, but it was, it just wasn't set up for that, you know? And so it's more of a live room. Mm. And um, as soon as everything went down, I bought logic and I was taking like classes, learn how everything worked. And that's what I knew. That's what Jacob used. And I was like, okay, cool. So I was basically 
learning how to do this because I have tons of ideas and I, I was always, I start off with beats and all, mainly, you know, so I could just send him like, here's this beat, you know, put something to it, that kind of thing. And then, then I started messing around with actual melodies and from there, you know, just kind of starting off, like it was a new thing for me. So I had all these thoughts and ideas. So I would just write stuff, very basic ideas. And I would send it to Jacob and then Jacob just, you know, 24, 48 hours later, there's a whole song that he's wow. done. He's, oh, here's all nice. this and he, complete with vocals. I'm like, Oh my God. Like he, Jacob's a machine, you know? And so I was, you have to keep up. And, uh, since there was nothing, I was playing gigs all the time and that was just done. So I was like, well, I'm, I'm stuck here in my studio. I might as well just get to work. And that's how the latest album came to be. Yeah. And it's a really great album. I love it. I Thank love you. It. As soon as I got it, I heard it twice. You know, I, I, I put it on and then after it was done, I, I got to hear it again. It's one of those, <laughs> <laughs> nice. you know, I love it. Love it. Thank you. you know, I want to talk. No about filler. No filler whatsoever. Yeah, man. Yeah, it, it, dude. Those, those are the, those of you that are listening. Um, the Bob Beeks was telling me about the the album and and the packaging in the album. It's a cassette, right? Can you guys tell us a little bit about how you guys came up with the packaging? Because with Walkman, that I that, thought that was a brilliant idea. Tell us about that. <laughs> that's jacob that's all jacob i was like he said that i was looking at the the list of the things that we were doing like for you know i expected like the records we all wanted vinyl you know that kind of thing and when i was looking down i didn't see cds anywhere i saw cassette and i'm like who the hell buys a cassette you know and i'm like and i didn't really say i was like i don't like this idea and then as soon as it comes out we sold out of it and and then all my other musician friends are going, that's the most brilliant idea I've ever heard. And I was like, well, what do I know? I'll just leave it up to Jacob. So it's all Jacob's fault. Yeah, we, so, so we did the record and um, we, we always knew that we were going to do vinyl. And all the vinyl factories are pretty backed up. So if you want vinyl, you pretty much have to let people know three to six months in advance because it takes a really long time for that. Um, we finished the record. We finished mastering the record. We, you know, turned it into the vinyl press and all that stuff. And of course, it, on October 30th, it's going to come out on, on Spotify and Apple and all the digital platforms and everything. But also wanted to do cassettes. Um, one, novelty item, but two, it's like, because I grew up with cassettes. Like, I love cassettes, you know. Yeah. And the whole vinyl resurgence happened. And now a lot of... Um, bands are doing cassettes like Atlantic records is printing cassettes for 21 pilots. Uh, Korn's last record came out on cassette. I thought that was really cool. Um, and so I ordered them and we manufactured them and then it became a thing like, well, let's, let's release the cassettes a month or two before the actual vinyl or before it hits uh, digital. That way we actually, it's, it's hilarious to have a cassette only release. Like if you want to listen to it, it's cassette only. But we were sitting at the rainbow one night and I just jokingly said, like, because everybody was like cassettes, like, like people don't even have cassette players. And I said, well, I guess that means we have to sell the Walkman cassette package. <laughs> and we just kind of laughed about it. And then when I got home that night, I put it up on our Indiegogo um, so, so people could order it. I just put Walkman plus cassette package or whatever and a limited edition. And then they immediately sold out and it was like, that, that's awesome. So 
But, but the packages are really cool because what we've done is anybody that orders that package, they would get the Walkman that was hand painted by Anthony. That's a great artist, a great graphic artist, a great artist. So he would hand paint them with our logo and everything. And then we would all in silver Sharpie autograph the Walkman. Then they would get the cassette. They would get a white sticker and a black sticker in the package. They would get a guitar pick in the package and they would get handwritten lyrics um, that we would, you know, handwrite uh, the lyrics from one of the songs on the record. And then on the actual package, it was goth, flat black, matte black envelope. And we would seal it with a neon coven sticker. And, and then we all autographed the package like on the back of it. So it's, it's, it's kind of like a really cool, if being a fan of a band, like how we were talking, no matter who you're, who, what band you like, if you order something like that and it comes in that kind of packaging, it's just kind of cool. It's kind of oh, special. Sure. So we wanted to do that. You know, it, it was, I mean, I remember going to the mailbox and then I, when I opened and I saw it and I'm like, Whoa, this is really killer. I mean, who, I mean, that's badass. And, you know, had everybody's autograph and it was in a black package, which I do like cause I love black. Yeah. So I thought that was a cool idea. I didn't get no guitar picks though, unless I didn't. <laughs> I mean, ah, I did get the stickers. I did get stickers. Up. I got two stickers. I got a white one and a black one. And yeah. uh, but no, the you package. Away the guitar really, pick, man. Maybe, maybe no. I still, ha I still have it. I still have the, the package. package. Yeah, oh. I still have it. I still. We owe it. you a guitar pick. Yeah, we do. <laughs> you got to. <laughs> that must have been one that Kyle stuffed. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> no, we need to blame well, it on Ace. Blame it on someone. It was on Ace because it has Ace. Ace, it's Ace on it. Yeah, you know, that's right. PO box yeah. or whatever. So it's probably Ace. Yeah, it's yeah. Ace's fault. It is. I'm blaming him. <laughs> <laughs> that's so awesome man that's a great idea and it kind of you know it kind of takes you back to the the day when you go to the record store you have the album the album cover you're looking at the lyrics and you look at it you read it you take it home and this is this is similar man i mean you've got a, a package that you can look at cassette actually if you look right there i mean all of those boxes are all cassettes of mine of you know that i've collected over the yeah there it is that's freaking awesome. awesome oh there we go that's freaking awesome. I, I'm pretty sure I have some of Beegs' cassettes because I used to borrow his stuff all the time and never give it back. But there it is, man. It's right there, dude. Like, And we live. <laughs> but um, let, let's talk a little bit about the music, man. Um, I want to hear how you guys, I mean, I know you, you, you know, you, you made some beats and all that stuff, but how does, how does everybody else contribute to that? How does everybody? Yeah, was it collective or who produced it or engineered it? Um, it's all Jacob. I, yeah, I produced, engineered, and mixed it. Great and, mix, man. Dude. Oh, it sounds great. I love it. It sounds great in my fucking stereo. Thank you. Yeah, the, way that, uh, the way that this record started was Kyle wrote the first song, a song called um, The Other Side of Nowhere. Oh. He had written this... Yeah, he had written this uh, this groove and um, and this and this music line, this bass line, and stuff like that. And uh, and then he sent me the Logic session, the whole session of it. And he recorded uh, a drum pattern that was really cool. And then he used a synthesizer to to do this bass thing or whatever. And he sent it over. And he goes, "Cause it's it's just an idea." And I was like, "Man, this is great." So it started with that song that uh, that Kyle and I wrote. Um, and then from there, just, um, 
he kept sending more stuff over ideas and stuff like that. So we would collaborate. And then I had ideas that I would send over to, um, to him and, um, Anthony, the, the vocalist would come in and, and we'd collaborate on lyrics and melodies and stuff like that. And then, um, there were other instances where everybody just came to my place and, um, all four of us, um, at the time, now we have a fifth member. We, we finally have a official bass player, but at the time, all four of us got in the room and, um, we would collaborate together on stuff. So it was a very much a collaborative effort. And, um, and it was also very therapeutic because this this was like in the you know beginning of the pandemic when right. everything was at its scariest because nobody knew exactly what was going on. You were hearing all kind of things. You were hearing that back then it, it it was like, oh my God, if you catch this, you're going to die. You know, everybody's in ventilators and stuff like that. It's only now that we know that people are continuing to get it, but the death rate is extremely extremely low. You know, it's like. But back then, we didn't know anything. Everybody was just terrified. So we we put everything we had into the music and just kind of taken our mind off of off of all that stuff. But that's why the title of the record is Future Postponed, because everything just just nobody knew what was going to And to, to a certain point, we still don't know what's going to happen. But, right. you know. Man, you know, I'm glad you brought up that song because I was going to say, you know, I, I've, I've haven't been over to Beegs' place to check out the, the entire album, you know. I got a, a glimpse of, of uh, what you have up right now digitally, but, um, you know, those, those I think it's five songs there. But I they're all great songs, but so far from what I've heard, for me, you know, it's um, the, the other side of nowhere because I'm a big fan of, like, you guys familiar with Saigon Kick? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Jason Baylor, man. He's awesome. Matt Kramer. Oh, yeah. Dude. Bill yeah. So one of the things I like about those guys a lot, um, there's a lot of Tom Groove type. This song, man, as soon as it hit, I was like, whoa. And then that bass line you were talking, that you just mentioned, right, that, that groove you, you came up with there, that's a synth? Is that what it is? Yeah, no, well. Oh, you retract a bass on there? Or? Yeah. 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 I basically, I'll send him ideas. They're basically just, you know, rough ideas, demos, you know. And so oh, yeah. I'll send him like the melody or what I'm thinking in my head. And then since I don't play bass, uh, I just send it off to Jacob and Jacob just nails it. And he'll add all the, the actual, actual instruments and play right. it. Right. Dude, that's, <laughs> that's my favorite song so far, man. It's, it's, um, that groove is amazing. That bass line. And I love I think it sounds like, not to get too technical, I mean, I, I love breaking down mixes and stuff. And what I was hearing, correct me if I'm wrong, during that beginning uh, groove, the, I'm hearing a little, just a slight reverb on that bass. It kind of it kind of goes back and forth, unless it was just the room I was sitting in. But is that is that correct? Jake? No, that's correct. That's correct. There's a lot of different things I'll do. Like, um, a lot of times people will record something or whatever and they put it like then they quantize everything put it right on the the you know right on the marker and stuff like that and a lot of times that lacks emotion and feeling and all that other stuff so you know so a lot of the bass stuff or whatever it is reverby or whatever but it also is like human feel like nothing's quantized it's just it's just played you know it'll speed up and slow down and and that's what makes makes it feel human exactly 
Yeah, it's a great, yeah, it's, exactly. a, well, it's a great tune, man. That's my favorite so far. There's another one, and I can't remember which one it is. I apologize for that. Um, like I mentioned earlier, man, there was this guitar solo thing that came in there that just blew me away. Talking about like technical work and melodic work. Um, off the top of your head, for you guys, probably the entire album, but off the top of your head, for you guys. Which one's your all's favorite track on there? Personal favorite. Kyle? Uh, I mean, I, I'm just kind of the same because I like the other side of nowhere was kind of like the first one that I had. And it's actually the first song I've actually kind of written as far as like a melody line goes. For me, I'm just always been, I'll, I'll do the drums, you know, or loops or whatever like that. But this is the first one where I've actually I come up with different, more than just drums. So that to me is my favorite. It's also, um, it's just fun to play, you know, it's, it's cool. Um, but when you have to wait till you hear the whole record, because there's such a different, uh, so many different styles, really. I mean, is, we we start is. off with the dance music first, you know, and real poppy. And then we kind of grab the, grab you there, but then it, it slowly changes and it gets a little darker. And then, uh, and it just goes from a bunch of different things. So, yeah. um, I don't know. That's it's it's, it's kind of like you have a different a favorite song every other day. Like, oh, this is my new favorite. You know, this kind of thing. But it's it'll always be the other side of nowhere because that was the first song that you know I got to write with Jacob because I I came in late to the game. The first two EPs, that's all Jacob and Anthony and Ace. I, I didn't really i was really just like the live drummer you know like oh we got a gig we'll play and it was just kind of for fun you know we'll play one or two gigs a year or whatever like that just and that was all it was and then it kind of took off from there to be something more serious and so um so yeah this was this whole album i'm just happy with it's right. i like it the, the sequencing is really great like you were just talking about it's great I love the, I like the way it starts off dark and then it gets, you know, I mean the dancing and then it goes into that. I love it. And one of my favorite songs is every time, every part of me, I need my glasses, but it's every part of me. That's like one of my favorite songs. The second song. Yeah. me yeah, too. Yeah. That's, that's, that's like my favorite songs. Yeah. I, I really like that one too. Like, like Kyle said, the other side of nowhere selfishly is one of my favorites because it's the only song on the record that I'm singing lead vocals on. Right. Um, and <laughs> and uh, the rest of the songs, Anthony sings. And, uh, but my second favorite song is another part of me and then probably blame it on the drugs. Those are. Oh, yes. yeah. That's yeah, dude, that one, that's freaking great. I think that's the one that has that guitar solo that, that I was mentioning. I'm not sure. I've got to go back. Yeah. That, that's, that's, that's the guitar the solo. New ones that just came out. I think that's the only one with a guitar solo, right? Kyle. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I saw you guys. I saw you guys on that. Uh, what was it? What was that show? Um, was it the Monsters of Rock when you guys played live? Yeah, yeah. that, that was, was a great show. That Thank was you. like yeah. so killer. Like I was really into it. You guys that were really tight live. Oh, that was his first show. Yeah, yeah. Well, he yeah. did really. Good, he did a really good job. The band sounded tight. You couldn't even tell if it, if it was his first time because you guys gelled. I mean, big time. Completely. Yeah. That was a fun show to play. Uh, and 30, we just did a 30 minute set and it felt like it was, it felt like five minutes had only passed by and we were already done. I was like, Oh wow. But um, yeah, that was a, a blast and just creating 
the stage set design, uh, Anthony did a lot of that. Oh, stuff that's what the visual part was awesome. That's that's a lot. Of, Anthony is the artist of the band, and he's he is an amazing artist. Uh, just like for painting and, and whatever, he does airbrush the whole thing. And so, uh, me and him sat down, and we had certain ideas because we had watched a bunch of other shows before on the Monsters Rock thing, and I was kind of taking notes of what to do and what not to do. You know, it, it can go from real cool to real cheesy super fast. You know, especially when you're playing in front of nobody. There's you're, there's a crew of nine people in there and you'll end a song and it'll stop and it's just dead silence, you right. know? And so yeah. you want to kind of keep things going. And, and a lot of people just had just regular stuff, just the band name behind them for the whole thing. I'm like, eh, that's kind of boring. So let's, let's do some cool stuff. And uh, Anthony came up with the majority of that stuff with the, uh, uh, with their guy there at, at the third hey. encore. Yeah, Dave. And it was, uh, they did an amazing job. So it was cool. Awesome. Can you still view it or you can't anymore? Can, can you, can you go back into that page and, and the, uh, watch Facebook, Facebook implemented a new policy over the past couple of months or whatever. So a lot of those have been taken down. Um, but, uh, we're getting the footage and then we're just going to put it on, on YouTube and then our, our band page as well. So everybody can watch it. Yes, yeah. it's, I loved it. And I say, and prior to that, I saw both of you with Pretty Boy Floyd. This was before yes, you guys. Did. Yeah. Yep. I was like, that's Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> There's Jacob. <laughs> Jacob's Kyle playing called, bass. <laughs> yeah. Kyle called me um, a few months ago, like before the pandemic hit. And he was like, do you remember Pretty Boy Floyd? And I'm like, yeah. I was like, Leather Boys with Electric Toys, great record. I was like, yeah. that, that's such a cool ass glam record and so we uh kyle was like well i'm doing a show with them and the bass player can't make it um do you think you can learn the record because it's the 30 year anniversary um but actually it came out in 89 and this is 2020 so it's 31 years but somebody's math is off but anyway so <laughs> they're doing their 30 uh, year anniversary tour and uh they're doing leather boys with electric toys in its entirety can you learn it and um and go play a show in utah and i was like yeah dude that sounds fun like i, I don't have time to do any of the rehearsals and because i'm right in the middle of a bunch of projects but i'll 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 you know listen to it and and whatever so to make a long story short um steve the singer kept asking kyle how are the rehearsals going and kyle didn't want to like freak him out or whatever so kyle would be like oh yeah it's going great great and then he would <laughs> kyle would text me and he'd be like hey man do you think that there's any time like you know just just like maybe one rehearsal one day and i'm like dude i'm just i'm on deadline nope. and I, just, I can't do it and then when we got to the airport like i confessed to kyle i'm like dude i haven't had time to even listen to this stuff hardly or whatever and he goes uh okay there's like 10 songs on the record. I'm like, but I'll listen to it on the plane. So, so on the plane, I listened to it and, and, and worked it all out and all that stuff. And then, you know, and then when we got the sound check, everything was fine. <laughs> Crazy. I had no idea. I mean, so no rehearsal whatsoever. So you just ended up just getting on stage and just, there you go. That's a yeah. testament to how good Jacob is because for me, I was in a rehearsal room for, you know, a week, two weeks, I charted everything out. I'm, you know, I'm not going to mess anything up. So, cause I have to play it any band I'm playing with. I'm going to rehearse the song a thousand times, you know? And so I don't even have to think about it anymore. 
and you know he he learns the whole album on a two-hour flight and i'm just like you make me sick dude i, I wish i had that kind of talent i don't have that so uh, yeah and like he said it was perfect you know he and then we did songs that weren't even on the album just to fill up time that we all just happened to know and that worked out great too and so the funny part was us being done with the the show and we're riding back to the hotel and steve's like he was excited but then he got sad because it's like this is the only time i'm gonna get to play with you guys because <laughs> we were like we're busy we got other stuff going on you know we're, so uh that was it and then he had called us that second time like oh please you gotta save me you know I, I my two guys can't do it and so uh so yeah we we filled in and that was that well you guys pulled yeah. it off uh you guys pulled it thanks off. Thank, thank you, you. The, the funniest part of all that is okay so there's a producer <laughs> named howard benson that's one of the biggest oh, yeah on the planet yeah so howard has produced everything from Kelly Clarkson to shine down to Hellstorm, Like he's literally like just multi, multi, multi platinum producers. One of the biggest producers on the planet and his fees are exorbitant. Like they're like in par with the amount of records that he sells. So if you want Howard Benson to do your record, you pretty much have to be signed to a label and they have to be wanting to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to do this. So, Leather Boys with Electric Toys from Pretty Boy Floyd was one of the first records that Howard Benson produced. This is before he was Howard Benson, the Howard Benson. Wow. So back then he was just getting his feet off the ground and stuff like that, uh, just dipping his toe in the water. So it was a very small budget and he did it. But I kept messing with Steve when I got to the airport. Here it is 2020 now. And he's like, he's like, man, I really appreciate you guys doing this for me on, on my budget. You know, I don't have a big budget and stuff like that. And I started busting his balls. I was like, dude, we're going to have to talk about the budget, man, because like I see that Howard Benson produced your record. You know, if you got the budget to spend on him. And he kept trying to explain to me that it was 30 years ago, but I kept playing dumb and acting like I just didn't understand. I'm like, no, dude. Howard Benson produced your record. You're rich, dude. If you can afford him. <laughs> I bet you he was sweating. <laughs> it was awesome. He's a cool dude. Yeah, I, cool, man. I think Howard Benson also produced Tough, right? I'm not sure if he did that, I, I, but I wouldn't I be think surprised. He did. Yeah, he I'm good. For, a lot of hair bands back then. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really good friends with Stevie Rochelle. And, awesome. Uh, he's a great dude. He's a great guy. And I'm going to have him on the podcast soon. But he, we talked on the phone like two days ago. We talked for a long time and great guy. That's awesome. That's pretty cool, man. So let me ask you guys this question because um, Biggs was telling me a little bit about your all's history. And um, Jacob, as I, as I asked you earlier, because Biggs said, you know what, man, he's got a lot of credits, a lot of Emmy. I think you've won some, 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 awesome awards correct can you tell us a little yeah. bit about that yeah i've just i've always been all over the place musically man like i said i love everything i love everything from pop to rock to metal and um i got you know my first record deal when i was when i was really young um with atlantic records and then second one um a guy named john Kalodner that was the guy that signed aerosmith signed white snake signed like all these you know amazing bands he signed my band to columbia records and um he was always very encouraging about writing songs you know um even if they're not for me writing songs for other people and also randy jackson um 
was somebody that was was very instrumental in my life um, from from a very early age. And um, same thing, just um, you know, those people were encouraging and stuff. So it's like I got to do stuff with lots of pop people from, you know, Mariah Carey to Akon, do you name it? And, and rock people like Steven Tyler and classic legends, uh, like Smokey Robinson, stuff like that. I've gotten, you know, wow. l- later on to, to score movies, to score really cool movies, do all the orchestral scores and stuff like that, which is, which is really cool. I've been, I've been very fortunate and, uh, and blessed and on the metal side um got to play with annihilator i did i did guitar uh a guitar solo on one of their records which when i was a kid i loved annihilator you know the album with uh, alice in hell and all that stuff i was like so when jeff waters reached out and was like hey man you want to play lead and i'm like yeah dude what an honor because you're an amazing guitarist so um Man, I've been very, very lucky, very, very blessed, and very, very fortunate. Because the thing is, is there are so many talented people out there and talented bands out there, people that are just the most amazing people that you've never heard of. But there, there are people out there that are that are better than the best of the best of the best. But I'm very aware that that a lot of hard work and luck has to come into it. The stars just have to align right place, right time. And like I worked my butt off from the time that I would wake up until the time that I would go to sleep, just constantly focused on songwriting and and doing projects and everything else. But I'm fortunate in the fact that the hard work paid off because um, had the work ethic, but also the stars aligned and I would meet certain people and, and, and I would get these opportunities. So I never take for granted um, that because I I grew up extremely, extremely poor in in Birmingham, Alabama, like, you know, food stamps, government assisted housing, the whole nine yards, like sometimes we'd run out of food. So it's like never in my life do I take for granted the the blessing and and just just how, you know, I'm just I'm very lucky. That's awesome, man. And and I think the benefit to everyone else is that everybody gets to enjoy your work. And I'm going to look up more of your work. Can you tell us a couple of maybe a couple of movies you scored, anything that that listeners w- want to find and listen to some of that work? Sure. Um, I did work on the last John Travolta movie called Gotti. That was really cool. Um, I scored um, a horror movie called Becoming. Becoming is really cool. It. Um, one of my favorite movies, actually my favorite movie of all time is called The Lost Boys. Oh, and, dude. Uh, yes. Yeah, yes. And, and Becoming has Jason Patrick from The Lost Boys in it. And, you know, that was really cool. That movie is actually probably my favorite movie score musically. Um, I really love the eeriness of it. And that movie came out. And then three days later after the movie came out, um, I went and saw it at the theater and then, uh, and then the pandemic hit or whatever, you know? So it's like, um, not enough people got to, got to enjoy that movie, but it's, it's out now, you know, on the streaming platforms, I'm sure. Oh, um, I'm going to check it out tonight for but, sure. Uh, but that was, that was a, that was a fun one. Um, I just did the end credits for the new, um, Mel Gibson movie that just came out called force of nature. Um, and then, um, there's, music coming out in the new Bruce Willis, Megan Fox movie called uh, a midnight in the switchgrass. So whenever that gets a release date, they had to 
halt filming because of COVID and all that stuff. But when that gets finished, that'll, that'll be. So, um, at this point I've done a lot of movies. I've done a lot of stuff and, uh, and, and it's all fun, man. Every day that I wake up and, and get to do stuff like this, it's again, like I said, I'm, 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 I'm grateful. Blessed. That's awesome, man. And, uh, are you, are you, uh, classically trained are you self-taught what's your musical background when it comes to education or or music education i'm a poor hillbilly from alabama um that uh that does not have any training um so yeah like like i'm I'm totally self-taught um as far as uh yeah I, i i didn't go to college uh didn't go to high school like you know so (laughs) <laughs> well, you, really <laughs> you don't you know there there it is man it's just inspiration and it's just hard work and it's just finding musical ideas and listening to a variety of music i think because again it shows on 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 your all's music it shows and we were just talking about that earlier kyle what tell us a little bit about your background i know you mentioned i mean you were san antonio Beeks tells me that you've got a lot of credits as well. You've played with a bunch of different people. And the reason why we started this podcast is because, you know, um, fame is an interesting thing, you know, Um, and everybody's views and opinions on it vary. Some of us have had some brushes with fame. Some of us are famous. Some of us, you know, are successful, whatever the case may be. So it's always interesting for musicians to hear about other people's success and just cheer them on, man. Tell us a little bit about your work. Uh, well, for me, um, my I started off when I was eight years old, and that's when I got my first drum kit. And I was just playing, you know, my mom's Beatles records and uh, – Linda Ronstadt and Bee Gees and all that kind of stuff when I was a little kid. And so I would do that. I had, I was fortunate enough to have teachers all throughout my life growing up and really good guys. I'd played on tons of different records and stuff like that. So that was always fun. Um, and then I didn't really, I think I got in my first band when I was 16 and then went from there and it was all downhill from there. I was like, that's all, that's all I want to do. I just want to play music. And so, uh, when I was 20, I moved to Memphis and uh, cause there was a guy that I saw a modern drummer magazine there. A modern drummer was doing the top drummers of Memphis, you know, that kind of thing. And I was like, Oh cool. And Memphis was like three hour drive from Mississippi where I lived. And there was one drummer that all the other drummers were talking about. And, and my dad was like, why don't you just call that guy? And I'm like, I can have his number listed or whatever like that. That's ridiculous. You know? And he's like, ah, oh, you never know. And, Sure enough, I, I found his number, called him, and, and uh, he's like, where are you at? And I'm like, um, Brandon, Mississippi, right outside of Jackson. He goes, that's so weird. We're playing in Jackson tomorrow night. And I was like, what? And he goes, yeah. And, and I was like, dude, I'll, I'll feed you guys. When the, I'll pick you up in my mom's fan and my mom will make you cook for you guys. And they're like, okay, down. And so uh, – I went to their sound check, picked them up, brought my house better. I played drums for him just to show him I wasn't some kid going, I want to play drums in a band, you know, like I could play. And so he's like, come up to Memphis. I'll introduce you to everybody in the circle, you know. And, and so that's what kind of started me off. And so I, I just played with everybody that I could. And uh, and that went from, it was back to, to 
Texas. And then Texas, I just started getting more into the cover band scene because it was, it was making a lot of money. And at the time I was so broke and um, hating life. And uh, the, there was a rehearsal studio called The Ark. Uh, in Austin, Texas. And that's how the Archangels got I their I just names. read that yesterday on Wikipedia. I was looking up Charlie Sexton. That's so funny that you said that. Huge round yeah, of Charlie so I met all, so I met Charlie. I met Charlie, met Will, met all those guys. And they all lived there. And so um, the owner of the Ark, who's a, a sweetheart, um, I was rehearsing with an original band. And he walked in and pulled me out of a rehearsal he goes, hey, you need to audition for this band right down the hall. It's a cover band, but they, they travel all over the place. And I was like, all right. So I walked down there and, hey, I want to audition for your band, you know. And they're like, all right, here's a CD of songs to learn and learned it and got the gig. And then that kind of started me off on my cover band career path. And then wound up moving to San Antonio, which is where everybody lived. And then I would hop into another band that was uh, it's called Spin 66, which is female fronted. And then we'd gotten signed to a, a garage band when they first started off. They had a, their own label. Um, we had a few songs on like VH1 uh, shows and like or MTV shows like, like Meet the Barkers and Celebrity Fit Club. We had songs on there and, and stuff like that. It opened up for all these national acts would come into town. And... One of them was Vince Neal, and we had a couple of shows with him, and I became friends with Brent Fitz, who's the drummer for Slash now, and we became buddies. And so he would kind of introduce me to people at my first NAMM show and stuff like that, and um, it just kind of rolled into coming out here to L.A., and they were just like, yeah, let's just hop out. I wanted to get my name around to everybody, so I jumped into like five bands into L.A., and you would do all kinds. I do all kinds of shows with everybody, and one by one, one would fall off. Mad Life just kind of stayed steady, and it was touring. I was on a bus, which is what I wanted to do, and make albums. And that's that's my whole thing. I, I like, I guess, success for me. Like when you're talking about like oh, fame and money and everything. Like to me, success is being able to do exactly what you want. I, I want, just wanted to play music. That's all I want to do. I didn't want to have to have a day job. I didn't want to have to do other things to where music seemed like more of a hobby than anything. You know, I, I wanted this to be my full living. And so I've accomplished that being out here, um, not just in Texas, but out here in LA. It took a while, but that was, uh, that was it. So yeah, that was, yeah, the, that's the, what I do. And, and the thing about LA is you know this is the place where you know so much of the industry is pretty much all the industry is and um, especially in the pop world and everything else but here it's all about work ethic because the thing is let's say that you move out here to be a drummer or a guitar player or whatever a session person if you will just show up if you will have a work ethic and you will show up on time you'll start getting all the gigs because so many people out here um, if they're scheduled to start a session at noon at 11:50, they're texting going, uh, can we push to 12:30 or whatever? Like I've, I'd never even heard the term push until I came to LA. <laughs> nobody does what they say they're going to do and nobody shows up when they're supposed to. So if you're one of the few people that will actually have a work ethic 
and put your, your work, like do exactly what you say you're going to do, then you will make it even if you're not as good as the next guy that, that doesn't show up on time because people get tired of that. And, um, Duff gave me some of the greatest advice one time um, when I was playing with Adler, we were playing shows with, with, with Duff in Japan and you know, his whole thing is if Duff McKagan tells you that he's going to meet you tomorrow at Starbucks at noon, that means literally the president could call him and say, Hey man, I want to get together with you at, at, at noon or whatever. He'd be like, Nope, I can't do that because I'm meeting with Kyle Cunningham. I already told him I was going to be at noon. So we'll have to get together at two and he will do exactly what he says he's going to do. And wow. that makes all the difference in the world. Be that type of person. Be like Duff. Well, I'm starting to feel, I'm starting to feel a little guilty, man. Cause I had to push our meeting today. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I was, freaking doing some crazy stuff but um that's freaking awesome and you know what i want to i want to echo that as well and i know bob does because we we talk about this all the time you know i was just mentioning to bob with his band lila and his current band um i mean when you saw these guys live i didn't see kyle in the band at the time i don't know that was that was butch the other drummer but um man i mean you you could tell you could tell who puts in the work you know You, you could tell who takes it to the next level you know and i want to echo that because for all the listeners musicians out there especially the young guys the young girls man it really really boils down to putting in the work there is no magic pill there is no magic anything technology you can record your album at home but you still got to put in the work and and there's there's nothing that's going to substitute that um hundred percent yeah yeah there's, there's something about um about that and, and i just want to share one thing i used to tour in mexico back in the day and i remember the day that we the band i was with at the time the, the i mean we used to rehearse like every freaking day dude and i mean christmas mother's day i mean we were rehearsing no matter what and it didn't bother me back i mean i was like yeah of course we're gonna rehearse right but we 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 left here um, we got to where we, we were going to Mexico. It was just like a two or three hour drive, which was our hub. We got there about 10 PM. We unloaded our stuff from the van, packed it into the little apartment, set it up and rehearsed the night we got there because that's just, a, that's just the work ethic. You gotta, you gotta put into this. Um, and, and it's not even work, man. It's, you love playing music and it is what it is. That's yeah. Right. And just, just to add on to what Jacob was saying, Another key factor is not only being good and being good at your instrument and having that work ethic, but also just being cool. I've gotten gigs over drummers that could play circles around me, but I got the gig because these guys were assholes or they had an ego that if they were going to be stuck in a van or a bus with this guy, they were going to kill him within a week, you know? Absolutely. That's, that's half the battle. And let me tell you, that shortens the pool down. You know, it's like, well, I need someone that's good. Okay, you've got this amount of people. Well, now I need someone that's cool, too, I can get along with for a month straight. And that shortens the pool down more. So it's um, it's not that big a selection. You know, like people come out to L.A. or people looking at L.A. from the outside. You know, yeah, there's thousands of musicians. And, yeah, there's thousands of musicians that are real good. But, you know 
you got to be cool at the same time and you got to let a lot of things slide even in because we know how hard it is being on the road with all different kind of obstacles and whatever but if you can handle that and be around other people um that's half the battle yeah absolutely for sure man man playing bars with somebody that's cool is or it's not cool is hard enough and then going yeah. on the road with them it's like dude you know we'll just program that man we'll just that bass player's attitude is terrible we'll just we'll just sequence we'll that just, right? exactly yeah yeah <laughs> i mean i was i was never in a band big enough to be where oh we're just gonna send you back home on a greyhound and get someone it's like sometimes you just had to deal with that person you know and so that's that's the worst that'll make all it takes is one person to ruin a tour you know if you can't send them home and you're stuck with them so and i've i've been through that it's not fun so yeah to everyone out there just be nice be cool to everybody be cool awesome but on the other side of that sometimes those people that are just too difficult to work with and they get fired and get sent on a bus ticket home they start one of my favorite bands like Megadeth. So yeah, worked. that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But you know, they would have that would have never existed had they been easy to work with. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I don't think it could happen now. Maybe back then. I mean, it's different times now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and guys, I really appreciate you guys coming in. Uh, you know, we're new. Um, of, of course, you know your album's gonna be out in October thirtieth. That's on a Friday. Mm-hmm. I'm really stoked. It's going to be on all platforms. Well, not the vinyl. Sure. Yeah. But it's going to be on Spotify and iTunes. And Are, are we getting vinyl streaming. soon on that? Or, or, or did you, is that in the plans? Or for now, that's not in the plans. What's that? The vinyl. The, the vinyls, uh, you, you have to pre-order the vinyl, correct? Yeah, yeah. The yeah. vinyl will be ready hopefully the second week of November. Um, because like I said, the pressing plants, they, uh, they're all struggling right now to get the amount of product all the orders out because there's only a handful of vinyl manufacturers in the u.s people don't realize right. that but they're they're like super super backed up because they're pressing everybody's vinyl that's awesome so, um, as of right now we're looking at everybody that pre-ordered the vinyl it should be ready to be shipped out you know the second week of november but we'll keep everybody updated and there's still time to pre-order the vinyl correct it definitely is yeah and and okay. the, the link is in our bio on the instagram page or on the facebook page and it's just an indiegogo account or you can go to indiegogo.com and then type in neon coven awesome and i am going to pre-order a vinyl i want a vinyl sure. as well Dude, and i want to pick i want to pick you'll get <laughs> it look for that. i guarantee you you'll get it i'm calling ace right now yeah you need to call ace and be like hey what happened to the picks, man? Uh, yeah. And Kyle's our wow. boss, so we're all scared of guys. He calls <laughs> Ace, but no, it's serious. So, yeah, definitely I'm going to order the vinyl, which, you know, I do have the cassette, but I really love the album. I love the song, so I am going to purchase it on vinyl. And I would if you had an 8-track as well, because <laughs> I do have an 8-track <laughs> <That's> player. Awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Is there a second cassette wave coming? Like, is there, are you guys going to do that again, or that was just a one-time shot? So we, we're, we're, we're going to extend it or whatever. Like as long as people want cassettes, we'll keep ordering them, nice. you know? It's, uh, so, so we just experimented with it and it, it, uh, it went beyond our expectations. Never did we expect to actually sell out. And, uh, and we did. So, um, yeah, we're extending it and anybody that wants cassettes, they, we can still do it. Nice. Well, there you have nice. it folks, awesome. everybody listeners. This is talk of fame podcast. 
um neon coven check them out dude i'm telling you um great stuff i'm not just saying that guys i mean it and uh, you know from a drummer to a drummer that was freaking awesome dude i freaking love that Thank um you. everything the production dude as a, as a, oh, a best amazing mix man and all Brother. so many so i can't even say enough about it i'll just be quiet about it let listeners find it real quick before we we we, we leave um i just want to once COVID is over or whatever once everything gets back to normal uh any plans on touring any you know like texas dates or are you just gonna just do some more shows in la or what's gonna happen with that yeah we're i mean we're already talking about doing the possibly doing a run because there are a lot of states now that are that are open and and allowing shows and stuff like that so we've actually talked about maybe possibly hitting those states and that'll be next year correct um yeah 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 because it's only like two more months and whatever well you yeah. guys got to come through texas el paso texas kyle you know you have my information there's a really sure. cool bar that you guys can play at in, in, you know it's in downtown so if you guys cool. want to come down let me know all right that sounds good i appreciate it man thanks for having us too really appreciate this we do uh -huh. thank you so much all right thank man. you so much let's have a good one all, all right. right later all right.